0: Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing today? Happy Mother's Day. Come on, can we just celebrate all the moms in the house and future moms today? Thank you so much. Love you. appreciate you. I had uh, I have I, don't, I didn't had. I, I have a great mom. she's still alive, still with us. And uh, man, she's Italian, so things got a little violent, a little Sicilian, a little mafiosa growing up. Uh, but I'm so grateful for her. Um, I just have to be obedient to the Lord today. I told Bethany I wasn't gonna do this, but uh, in light of everything happening in our country right now, I need to make some public statements about where I stand. We can't sit here on Mother's Day and live in a nation and not address the fact that we live in a nation that has put sex and convenience on an altar and served it like an idol and seen 62 million lives taken as an abomination in the eyes of God. And I'm seeing Christians on social media defend the abomination of death. And I just want to say that I've noticed that 100% of abortion supporters are abortion survivors. Let me say that again, 100% of abortion supporters are abortion survivors. Because their life wasn't taken from them. And I don't see how you can read God's holy scripture and the beauty and the essence of life that permeates through the whole story and look at the gift that God gives us of life and then say because of some difficulty that could come and don't hear me and say he has no compassion on those, on women, he has no compassion on the stories and the situations, but here's the deal. It's like saying that my car has a problem so instead of taking it to the shop and fixing the problems with it, we're just gonna take every car to the junkyard and trash it. This idea that we have to take a life in order to help someone who's in a bad situation is utterly nonsensical and it is demonic and against God's word and against God's order in life. 100% of abortion supporters are abortion survivors. I watched a video this morning about a woman that was, went to get her birth certificate and she she saw that her mom was 12 years old when she was born. And she didn't realize, she said, Mom, what happened? Her mom was a victim of rape. And her mom decided not to abort her. And she has two children and she's running for Senate and she's this beautiful woman, she's a black woman, this beautiful lady who has such value and purpose and she said, I thank God that my life was allowed to exist How can we hear that and say, it's okay for us as a society to support this? Listen, this isn't a political issue. You might say, why is he taking this so political today? It's not a political issue. Abortion has never been a political issue. It's not a legal issue, it's a moral issue. And I will never shy away from talking about moral issues on this platform. And if you don't like it, let's have a conversation because I don't want to chase you away. I want to talk to you and I want to persuade you to the side of life. I don't want you to run away and say, well, you're just taking it political. It's not about politics. It's about morals. It's about God's perspective and God's plan for life. Death is not the answer. Death is never more compassionate than life. Do we need to solve the problems in our society? Yes, we do. Come on. We can't, and as Christians, I think we we have to bear the weight that when someone says, well, you're just pro-life for the unborn, but then when somebody is alive, you're not there to help. Let's, wear, let's say, you know what, you're right. Let's take life on across the board. But here's the deal. As a Christian, you can't say, we're talking about being rewired, and I want to have a biblical worldview and a Christian worldview, and I want God to change my thoughts, and yet I will uh, uh, hold on to something that is clearly, uh, biblically, it's antithetical to everything that God is about. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, moms. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> My mom would, uh, would say, you know, growing up, I have a lot more to say about that other thing, but I'm going to move on. You all right? I wasn't going to do that, but that's who I am. All right. <clears throat> growing up, we had a, uh, a joke that we could either receive a daddy spanking or a mommy lecture. That's, it wasn't tough, to be honest, it was easy. Because how many of you know that uh, weeping may endure for the spanking, but the mommy's lecture lasts forever. <laughs> and uh, my mom, you know, she would, she would sit us down, and she's Italian, so she can talk. She really is verbose, and man, she, she'd take us into that lecture, and I told you a thousand times, and, and if you're a ton, it's I told you, right? Did you get that? <laughs> Anyways. Um, moms, they do this awesome thing, like I remember my mom saying stuff like, if you do that again when you did something dangerous, like if you climb that tree or if you run out into the street or if you, uh, then I'll kill you, you know, if you do that again. (laughs) I thought that doesn't make any sense, mom, you know. My mom, when I was growing up, uh, we had a a, a daycare at the church. It was called Jump for Joy Daycare and it it made me want to do everything but jump for joy. Um, I was one of those kids that thought I knew better than my parents. Anybody else? you know? I haven't grown out of it yet, but I, but, uh, I thought I, I knew better, and so my mom was like, you got to go to daycare, I have to go work, and dad's got to do work and everything, and I was like, well, I, I just want to be with you. I, I don't want to go to the daycare. I don't like it. They make us take naps. She's like, well, that's fine. Just take a nap in the afternoon. And I'm like, well, I don't nap. I'm not like one of those other kids that naps. I'm a non-napping child. I don't know how old I was at the time, probably six, seven, eight. But maybe younger, so uh, I'm like, I don't wanna take a nap. And I remember laying in there at Jump for Joy Daycare and I'd look at the other kids and their hair was all messed up and they were like sleeping and they were snot coming out of their nose and their kid just like the red face because they're on the, the, the mat. And I just thought, how pathetic <laughs> that you've been brought in here into this uh, artificial you know environment and made to sleep. And I was always in rebellion against my mom. And so I would really give her a lot of flack, you know, and I feel bad for this now because she was such a great mom, but I would just really, wrestle against her and, and she finally started to say this line to me and it really haunts me to this day. This is like free therapy today for me to just share these things with you. She would say, well Jake, you don't have to go, you get to go. <laughs> I couldn't deal with that. Her logic was unassailable, right? Unbeatable. And, and so I'm like, ah, oh, fine. Uh, but ultimately now what I've learned from my mom is that I get to tell my own children, you don't have to go. You get to go. <laughs> How many of you appreciate that? Thank you, Mom. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. All the mamas say, Amen. Amen. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. You know, as we talk today about moms and we celebrate Mother's Day, we celebrate life and we celebrate the beauty of the world God's created uh, even the mess we've made of it, man, so much of the beauty still leaks through all the time and, and, the, and, and God's plan for it. God's plan, ultimately and, and, and originally and ultimately, is for a mom and a dad to work together. You know, just because we live in a, in a nation where most marriages, or not most, but a good chunk, don't work out, and a, and a nation where, in a time where, where oftentimes, and, and maybe many of you here are in this situation, and I say this with great compassion. Um, The mom and the dad aren't together. Maybe the dad's split. Maybe he's a worthless piece of human garbage and he doesn't support his children. Um, Was that too strong? No, I don't think it was. Um, And he's neglecting his God-given assignment to, to be there. God's plan is still that a mom and a dad would raise kids together. The father's correction and a mother's instruction together, both parents carry the weight of raising their kids, one's not important than the other. And so we're gonna talk about moms and celebrate what moms say, but first dads, uh, even the things that I said earlier, you have a, a, a think, I think it takes two to tango in and, and making babies, so shouldn't it sort of be both working together, is that all right? I mean, I'm not confused, there are two genders, male and female, God created them, and those coming together uh, are what creates children. And so it's God's plan from the beginning I'm just salty today, that's just how it's gonna be. i have just, I had steak last night, I, you know, there's no college football on Saturdays, that's what you get on Sunday. I love you, we're gonna have fun, you're gonna get a gift, but I'm gonna be salty, all right? So, moms and dads together, dads, don't make moms carry the full load. Now you might be like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I mean, if you're a dad, raise your hand. Praise God for you, that's awesome, I'm a dad. And you're here, so you're like, I'm doing a good job, why are you attacking me? Because you're the one I can talk to right now. The other ones aren't in here. So you got to bear the weight for all the men. But even dads that are there in the, in the home and present with their wife and, or their, uh, the mom of their children or however that situation is going, um, even for those dads, it's often a temptation where we, we sort of, as men, offload the, uh, the whole load on, on our wives or, or on the mother of the children, right? We, we sort of say, well, they're going to deal with the education and the spiritual growth and all of that, and men... God's called you to actually take up that mantle as well. And so don't make moms carry the full load. Be present and be engaged. Now, it's interesting because Bethany and I, we we have a partnership in our marriage. We're working together to raise our kids and all of that. And man, she does like probably 95%. uh, But oftentimes I'm like, man, as amazing as she is, um, there are times when, and, and, and and many times, all joking aside, where I step in and I provide that vitamin that as a father I am to provide. And that does something unique in that in that dynamic relationship between a man and a woman and raising children that are healthy. Again, it's the father's correction and the mother's instruction. And so dads, I wanna challenge you today on Mother's Day to be present and be engaged. If you're like spiritually dead on arrival, if you don't pray, you don't read your Bible, you don't know the difference between uh, the book of Hesitations and uh, you know, the book of Hes- You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it doesn't exist, okay. If you don't know your way around God's word and you don't know your way around what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And am I really that? And is that how I'm raising my kids? Then like you need to engage in that because that is your role, uh, working together with that, that mother. It's father and mother together. But moms, you also have this incredible, great responsibility. And, and it's interesting because even in, the, yes, I'm fathering my children. Yes, I'm pastoring them. I'm loving them. I'm raising them. But Bethany really in the home has a greater impact on our kids as far as just the amount of time uh, invested and placed into them. Now we, we homeschool our kids, which means um, Bethany sometimes says, Hey, what do you think about this math book? And I'm like, that's great, babe. And she does all the work. So uh, Bethany is making such a great impact uh, on our kids. And so what I want to talk about today is three things that mama said and why she was right. Okay. Three things mama said and why she was right. Number one, Mama said, say please and thank you. How many of you ever had your mom tell you to say please and thank you? How many of you ever told your kids, say please and thank you? These are called the two magic words, right? And this is a biblical idea. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Be thankful in all circumstances. I think today we need to be grateful and thank our moms for teaching us to be thankful. Here's why. Thankfulness, gratitude, it disarms the power of discontent. Being thankful for what we do have gets our attention off of what we don't have. And one of the things that you'll find in in all of us that unthankfulness and ingratitude are signs of spiritual immaturity, that when you are living in this sort of constant, ah, oh, I, I, I what I have isn't as enough, and I'm not really thankful for the things in my life. I'm not thankful for my parents. I'm not thankful for even the gift of life. I'm not thankful for uh, this world that I, that I get to live in, and I'm not thankful for the opportunities that, that abound. Uh, what that often shows is that, that spiritually, you're immature, okay? And, and I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me, because I struggle with this. Oftentimes, I'm like, oh, man, this stock investment that I wanted to go up went down and I lost some money or uh, you know, the, my sports team didn't win and I'm like feeling bad and even feeling ungrateful, even to the point where I'm like getting angry about something that maybe matters or doesn't really matter that much. And then I'll, I'll, I'll see a video of maybe a child in a third world nation who barely has enough to eat and then I kind of like get my spiritual slap across the face and go, I think I have it pretty good, <laughs> right? And I have to remind myself what mama said. Say please and thank you. Please is an act of humility, thank you is an act of gratitude, and those two things actually make you a beautiful person. Um, it's interesting because as C.S. Lewis said, we, pride is the one thing that we uh, hate in other people and we are oblivious to in ourselves. And I think ungratefulness is often like that. Because see, when you are ungrateful, what, what you're actually saying, uh, without necessarily using words, is that you deserve or are entitled to something that you don't have and you're actually elevating yourself uh, as a being above others and above uh, your circumstance, whereas thankfulness requires humility. And so humble people are often very grateful. It's interesting to me, having been able and blessed by God to travel around the world in various missions trips and things and go to the third world, Cambodia, Mexico, and uh, other places, Romania, Colombia, just many places around the world is that I see people who have much less than me, who often operate in a higher level of gratitude, and that is a mark of spiritual maturity in them. They, they bear a grace to actually be, dare I say, happier, dare I say, more fulfilled, even with less material possessions, even with less Uh, surface level things because they've tapped into the power of gratitude that if you're grateful to God for what you do have, that doesn't actually change what you do or do not have, but it does change you from the inside out. What if instead of being so focused on circumstances we can't change, we allowed God to change us through those circumstances? And I don't just mean sort of living in sort of a passive, fatalistic way where we never attempt to exercise any human agency to change circumstances. No, what I'm saying is that what if we said what mama said about gratitude and thankfulness was really important and it actually changes me and transforms me from the inside out. Furthermore, thankfulness is a powerful witness for Christ. When Christians suffer and yet are able to be actually grateful and thankful for what God has done, it's a divine and supernatural act. When we are thankful, we illuminate the reality of God's goodness in our lives. Be thankful in all circumstances. I would say that being thankful in all circumstances is not something that you can just decide to do. It's actually something you have to say, Lord, would you help me? How many of you would say it requires supernatural grace to actually be thankful all the time despite what circumstances you're going through? When you get that diagnosis from the doctor that you don't like, you know, when you get the, the, the news about your finances or something doesn't go the way that you want or a child is, is doing wrong or a child is in pain or suffering or whatever's going on, and you're like, I, I really don't like this circumstance. You know, I would say for everybody in this room, whether you're in it right now, at some point you have been or you will be in a circumstance you absolutely would change if you could. Come on. But thankfulness in those moments. God, I'm grateful and I choose to focus on what you have done and who you are. Uh, That that is so rich and powerful. So mom, thank you for saying, say please and thank you. I I also believe this, that as as Christians, uh, followers of Jesus, that our gratitude and thankfulness to God is something that we need to disconnect from material possessions. You know, I think the world often looks at, at, at the church and I, I don't really like to do global statements about the church and even slam the church because I think a lot of people slam the church and they're just um, wrong. But But I think there is a fair point to be made that if we as believers kind of connect material possessions and prosperity and that means God loves you and blesses you and then we're grateful because he blessed me and we're not grateful for the, the bad things, not grateful for the bad thing, but grateful through the bad things, then what we're really saying is our faith is basically just, if we put a quarter in, we get something out. It's very transactional, it's very two-dimensional and flat, which is, which is sad to me because the real Christian faith is the supernatural grace to know that despite whatever takes place in this life, you are safe, like we sang about today, in the hands of Christ. That your future and your hope is secure, not because you have all the money that you need, you may or you may not, not because you have all the material wealth and possessions that you, you need, you may or may not, but because your eternal salvation is secure in heaven in Christ, because who you were made to be is being fulfilled in a relationship with the one that loves you and created you, and so on and so forth. And so gratitude disarms discontent. The other thing is it's impossible to worship and be ungrateful. You can't do those two things at the same time. If you find yourself dealing and struggling with, uh, with being uh, uh, ungrateful, just start worshiping God and thanking him for who he is and what he's done in your life and watch how discontent begins to be disarmed. It will absolutely shift you from the inside out. Amen? Amen. Number two, what mama said. If you, won't have, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, I rarely have nice things to say, but it's still my job to come up and talk on Sundays so I need your help now. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Proverbs 21.3, watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Uh, Proverbs 18.21, and I'm not preaching this at you, I'm preaching it to me. (laughs) Proverbs 18.21, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Wow. I mean, you could like say that at like a, like a playground, playing basketball, you know. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences as I posterize you. You know, I can't dunk. Um, I, I could play uh, NBA Jam. Come on, somebody. Yeah, the the real ones know what that is. All right, Matthew fifteen eleven. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Ephesians 4.15, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. This one, this one word from mama, will save you a world of trouble. A world of trouble. Learning to control the tongue is a huge part of growing in wisdom and maturity. As the scriptures say, our words have the potential to bring life or death. Let's speak life. Let me invite you into a vignette, a picture of life in the Schmelzer household circa 2020, 2021, 2022, because we are right in the midst of raising kids, mom and dad, Bethany and I together. And we have three beautiful children. They're incredible. You know, if you ever hear me talk about them and make fun of them, it's because uh, it's a joke. I mean, they're actually incredible. So Evelyn, Jack, and Penelope are just absolute treasures and gifts from heaven. So grateful they're here. So grateful they're alive. And I can't wait to see what God does in their life in the future. And, uh, my children, though, they are learning to, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And so they're in the process of this. And as you know, in a, in a sibling relationship, there is, there is a lot of turf wars, right? Who gets to sit in the front seat? Who gets to sit? I want the blue cup at lunch, and like, why do you need the blue cup? Well, because I want it. Well, I want the blue cup. You don't want the purple cup? No, I want the blue cup. Why are we doing World War III about this? But that's how it is, right? Any parents? And so we're working with them, and so let me, let me invite you in. So here's what we, we have, you know, we'll have a kid say, well, they get really riled up because somebody won't give them the Nintendo or whatever. And then it's like, I think you're, I hate you. I wish you were dead. We, and that, at those kind of words, what we always do is we stop everything. So if I'm in there writing a sermon or I'm in there, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the living room, drinking coffee or whatever, and just thinking really amazingly smart thoughts, you know, just as I do, <laughs> just sitting in jackets with elbow pads, you know, that's how I, does it have elbow pads, Kyle? I can't see. It doesn't. This ja- I, throw this jacket away. So uh, we stop everything and either Bethany or I will gather the kids together and we'll start to encourage them and instruct them in this. Listen, guys, this relationship you have with your brother or your sister is is a relationship you're gonna have for the rest of your life. The Nintendo, first of all, if you don't stop, I'm gonna throw it in the garbage. Because daddy has enough money to just throw away your Nintendo and not replace it. (laughs) Talking about that kind of money, you know what I mean? We just get rid of it. (laughs) I heard a comedian say, uh, the other night I was watching Instagram and this comedian said, you know, there's different types of money. Because he grew up poor and and somebody would get a boat down the street and his dad would say, man, I wish I had that kind of money. And he's like, I wonder what that kind of money is like. He's like, the only kind of money we had was good money. And his mom would say, yeah, we paid good money for that shirt. But he said, uh, he said, good money always bought bad stuff. That was the thing, you know? He's like, she bought me a shirt with a wolf on it and a bunch of moons and it was purple. (laughs) Anyways, I'm like, hey, I have that kind of money. I can throw away that Nintendo because your relationship is more valuable. Are you with me here? Kids, listen, we don't speak death. We don't curse each other. We don't attack each other. We're not mean to each other. We do not say those types of things in this family and for you moving forward, we speak life. Because our words have power. Because in our house, we're not going to allow the curse of the enemy. to. to, We're not going to let the same instrument that's to be used to praise our God and the same instrument that's going to be used to speak beautiful words and the same instrument that's going to be used to pray wonderful prayers and the same instrument that's going to be used to speak truth into darkness and all of that to to, to be used for cursing and, and evil and all of that kind of stuff. And so we, we get our kids circled around this, the wagon of, hey, we're going to speak life. And honestly, when I say it, I'm saying, I'm giving you a window into what we do. We stop the presses. If death is being spoken, we stop the presses. Everything stops. It doesn't matter if we're going to school. It doesn't matter if we're heading to church on Sunday. It's like, it's the brakes stop. The whole train stops. Everybody hits their head on the seat in front of them. And we stop and we look at what are we saying right now? Now, if that's, if that's the, the level of care we give to this, why is that? It's because it matters. Because mama was right. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, because those words released can't be taken back. Early on in our marriage, Bethany and I, we, we were learning to communicate, and uh, that's a whole, whole message right there. Uh, I don't have time to go into that. All I can say is, since she's not in here, I can tell you all the things she does wrong. <laughs> so, no. No. Uh, Early on in our marriage, I would get frustrated because Bethany came from a different type of communication background with her family. And my family was like, we'll fight right now to the death, but then we'll be like fine five minutes later and move on. And so we were bringing two very different communication styles together in marriage. And I would get really frustrated because she wasn't maybe being open or communicating. And I'd start saying things to try to break her out of her shell. And I'd be getting meaner and meaner. And event, one time, after a while, I'm like, man, I'm saying all these mean things to the person that, I'm, that I love, like, I'm totally messing myself over here, like, this is wrong, and Bethany was trying to tell me, like, hey, I just need some time to process, and I realized, like, I, I would say this to her, I'd say something mean, whatever, and then I would go, well, well, I don't really mean that. And she'd be like, what do you mean you don't mean that? Well, I don't mean it, that's not how I really feel. Well, then why did you say it? And the reality was, I had, to, I had to go, you know what? When Jesus said, not Dr. Phil, when Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that if I say something, I do mean it. Hello? That if I say something to my wife, my kids, to you, I do mean it. Uh, now I can obviously we all make mistakes. There are times when the emotion of what we use was more than what we intended. It might not be the full picture of what you mean, but it is what you meant. And I had to take responsibility for the fact that in the tongue is the power of death and life. And I realized that I was actually killing my marriage. It wasn't di- I mean, it wasn't being killed all at once, but I was hurting it. I was poisoning the beautiful tree that, that God wanted us to grow together. Uh, with my tongue. Our words have the potential of life and death. Now, conversely, if your words have the power of death, they have the power of life. I want you to think about the communication that goes on in your household. How many of you would just say, all things considered, I'd love my kids to love Jesus and be successful and, like, do well in school and, you know, mo-. there's like six people that want their kids to do well. <laughs> do you guys need, like, help with this? I mean, I, mean, I want my kids to do well, right? I'm, I'm, maybe you're just mad at them today, but, like, we want our kids to do well. What I've realized is that my role in life is to be corrector, challenger, you know, like Proverbs 1, we read that, father's correction, mother's instruction. Like, yes, I'm going to correct my children, but uh, really my primary thing that I want to do is speak life into them, and I want to breathe the life of God that has come to me as a child of God, as a son of God, I want to continue to repeat and let that flow through me to my children and speak into the God-given destiny that is in them. Uh, parents, do you realize how powerful it is when you praise what is good in your children, you correct what is wrong, but you don't, you know, you're not abusive in that correction, but you speak life into them, how powerful it is. You're, you're giving fertilizer and water and, and sunlight into the good things that you want to grow in your children. There's something beautiful about that. Just your presence is doing that, but then when you begin to speak those words of life, it's so incredible. Evie is uh, part of the Eugene, uh, Eugene uh, what is it called, aquatic team or whatever, she's part of a swim team, and so of course kids always want you to be at all their practices and stuff, and now our kids are at the age where they're all doing lessons and sports and stuff, so we're just, you know, we don't have a life anymore, but um, we, we go to their things, and, and uh, yesterday I had an opportunity to be we were all together at, at Willamilane Swim and Evie was there and she was doing diving, you know? And it, it, it is freaky, like, I'm freaked out by it and she was really scared. So she kept looking over at us and we'd be like. <laughs> and she wasn't even on the board, she was just on the side of the pool, you know? But it was like, just fall in, you know? And then she gave like this little dive and she kind of, you know, face planted or whatever, but we were like, yeah, you know? And so she like gets up out of the water and she like looks up to us, you know, how did I do? And we're like, you're amazing, right? Now, as we grow in swimming, I'll probably dial it down a little bit because I'm not like just give a gold star for no reason guy or like, you got to learn how to dive. You know what I mean? But in the moment, all we were there to do was just speak life to her dreams, speak life to her spirit, because I don't care if she wins a gold medal in the Olympics. What I care about is that she wins a gold medal in this thing we call the race of life, meaning She becomes the woman that God has made her to be. And so as a parent, it's to speak life. If you were, if you didn't have a dad and I'm not a perfect dad, but I am a present dad who is saved and loved by Jesus. So I'm a good dad. If you didn't have that, can I just tell you, I'm very sorry, but you know what? Your heavenly father is cheering you on and putting his thumbs up at you when you do whatever goofy thing you're doing. And he's speaking life over you this morning. Your heavenly father loves you. Your, your, your heavenly father is for you. He will be that vitamin that maybe you didn't have from a mom or a dad in your life. But, but if you have kids and mama said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. We speak life. Is that all right? All right. Uh, we are on our way to brunch soon, okay? Soon. Number three, mama said, I brought you into this world and I could take you out. R-E-S-B-E-C-T. I love it. <laughs> the kids uh, were talking about some different people, and, and uh, they said, you know, this child's mom, you know, it was Evie, she goes, this mom, she's stern, and this, this other kid, their friend on our block, you know, th- their dad, he's stern. And Bethany goes, hey, am I stern? And they're like, no. <laughs> she's like, I'm not stern. Do your friends think I'm stern? And they're like, no. And I'm like, she looked at me, and I'm like, you're not. You're a pushover. You're super nice. You know, <laughs> do they think I'm stern? Yes. You know, so anyways, but mama has this ability to command respect, right? I, I, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Ephesians chapter six, verse one, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Do you know that honor... And specifically, as the scripture says, honoring your parents is a key to a long life and blessing. Honor creates an atmosphere of opportunity in your life. Now, let me pause here and say this. You might go, well, I didn't have honorable parents. In fact, my dad, my mom, they're dishonorable. They're, they weren't there. They weren't present or they were mean or abusive or whatever. Honor does not mean that you have an open sort of bill with this relationship where you don't, you, you know, you just don't, you ignore all of that. It's not that. But you can honor the fact that they brought you into this world. You, can honor, you find the things that you can honor and you honor those. But the point of this is you become a person of honor who seeks to honor others and recognize the dignity of other people and recognize the dignity of those that came before and so on and so forth. And what that does for you is it creates a, a, this atmosphere of opportunity. And I'll explain what I mean. Humility and honor opens doors that pride slams shut. When I was growing up, all of my siblings and I took music lessons, and my parents would always say, especially my dad would say this to us, when you go in there, and I had a drum teacher named Adam Rafalovich, he was a beast, just an incredible drummer, and uh, man, I just love that guy. He was just so awesome, and my dad would be like, Jake, look, you, you, might know, you, you might know stuff, but you don't know everything he has for you, and so keep your mouth shut, like be honoring and humble. And, and if he says you need to practice this much, do it. And if he says you need to, you know, hold your sticks this way, just do it so you can receive what he has for you. And I remember going into music lessons and I would be like, yes, sir. And, you know, just was taught that way to honor authority and honor. And what happened is for me and my siblings, as we exhibited this, instead of that sort of foolish pride that children can have, and I like always trying to get that out of my kids, like, stop it. You don't know everything. Uh, you know, just listen and just learn when, when you honor people, what they will do is they will give you their best. If somebody comes to me and they're like, Pastor Jake, you know, in humility, would you help me with this area? First of all, don't think that when you ask for help that the person you're asking for help thinks less of you. They often think more of you. Furthermore, when there's humility, it, it actually creates almost a vacuum effect where that teacher or person wants to actually give you more of what they have. And here's the cool thing about life. You can eat the fish and spit out the bones. When somebody is teaching you or instructing you or giving something to you, you can say, you know what, through the course of life, as I've learned, da, 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 I don't need to, not everything they said is what I'm going to do or, or believe, but because I had humility to listen and honor, I can actually receive all that they wanted to give. And that is what I mean by the atmosphere of opportunity. Honor creates an atmosphere of opportunity. It does it with God. It does it with parents. It does it with life. Your parents are authorities that were given to you. And I recognize we live in a broken world that very, very infrequently matches what God intended it to be. See, God intended a husband and a wife loving each other, being faithful to each other, raising children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is the template. That is the pattern. Do we often see that? No. But the principle of honor still exists, that if you will be a person of honor— in your life, honoring your parents, what you can honor, that God will open up opportunity in you and you'll get the best out of life. And so even you know, in this political climate, in the social climate, it's, it's interesting because I'm tempted to dishonor my enemies, tempted to dishonor my opponents, I'm tempted to dishonor people that disagree with me, though I might believe that I am correct or right in a particular view. Um, even ones that I know that I'm right in terms of standing with Scripture or standing with Jesus. Um, but dishonor doesn't create, uh, doesn't, isn't God's plan either. So it's interesting because even in my comments that I made earlier, we're not in a battle against flesh and blood. When I, I have people that I care deeply about that disagree with my views and I'm not fighting with them or arguing with them on social media, I'm not entering into the fray because I'm not fighting against flesh and blood And I don't mean to sound sanctimonious, but what I actually do is I pray for people and I say, Lord, would you open their eyes? And also God, would you open their eyes, but also would you stop their aims from taking place? Uh, And I'll leave it at that. But it's not dishonoring that person. I'm not taking ad hominem to the man. I'm not taking those kinds of attacks. And you're an idiot, you're stupid, you're worthless. Like, no, uh, you're deceived. At the end of the day, we're not enemies, we're brothers and sisters. Uh, and God is our, our father. But honor will create atmosphere of opportunity. So mama, thanks for teaching us that we need to have some R-E-S-P-E-C-T because a respectful, honorable person that honors others will be uh, blessed in their life. In conclusion, I want to read you this passage in 2 Timothy 1. Paul was the spiritual father to this young man, Timothy. If you don't know this, Timothy has two letters. Uh, they're written from Paul to Timothy, First and 2 Timothy Uh, Timothy, we know historically, actually becomes the pastor of the church in Ephesus, and scholars believe that it was between 30 and 60,000 people in this church in the ancient world. Very incredible. And uh, Timothy was a mighty man of God. Paul writes to him and says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember... Your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Listen to this part. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Paul reminds Timothy, his spiritual son, that the genuine faith he got that he inherited was from his mom and grandma. Moms, I just want to talk to you right now. First of all, thank you. You're amazing. Um, But you have the most important job in the world. You have the ability to model and pass on to your children genuine faith. You are the one that creates the atmosphere and sets the tone. And so today as a church, moms, we honor, we bless you. Future moms, we honor and bless you. Remember with your kids that the, the years are, somebody said this to us one time, the days are long, but the years are short um, use them well. What I want to do today is I want to pray a blessing over you. So all of us together, we're going to pray a blessing on the moms today. Lord, I thank you for the mothers in the house. Thank you for the, the beautiful gift of being a vessel to bring forth life into the world. Lord, that there's such an attack against femininity. There's such an attack against motherhood. There's such an attack even under the guise of helping women, but it actually destroys their God-given design and, and, and purpose. Lord, there's such a an attack in our culture. And today we stand against and defend mothers. We defend their beauty, their grace. We defend their destiny. We, we honor them, we respect them, we thank you for them. God, I pray for your love to flow into the heart of every mother here. Lord, whether they have a, a husband helping them or not, whether they have support or not, you are their, their shield, you are their strength, you are their source. And I pray today that your joy would overflow in them. I pray that today they would feel the honor and love from us, but also from you, Lord, that as they fulfill their purpose that you've called them to, to raise up children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and to pass on that genuine faith, that they would take honor, take pride in that, that, that calling and do it with such grace as they do. We bless them today. Fill them up. Encourage them. I pray that they would leave here today more restored and filled in their body, soul, and spirit than even when they walked in. We bless the mothers in the house today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Real quick, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Moms, we got a gift for you on the way out today, so excited to celebrate you. Uh, Before we do that, I want to give an opportunity for anybody that's here today that would like to give their life to Jesus Christ and become his follower man, what a great time to become a Christian because it actually means something now. It's not just cultural. It's not just nominal. It actually means something that you would say, I'm going to follow Jesus and take his word as my guide. Uh, I'm going to put my trust and faith in him and receive salvation, but also I'm going to join the side of Christ. I'm going I'm to give him my life and I'm going to receive him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you here today and you want to make that decision to become a follower of Jesus and receive salvation, would you just raise your hand so I can see? Anybody in this place? Pastor Jake, I want to follow Jesus. Thank you. Awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I commit my life to you. I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be right with you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.